Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your Hello there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Do you have a new Bible to read Psalm 24 out of today? I want to read from the Lexham English Bible. Love the Lexham. Yeah, absolutely. And today, what I'd really like to talk about is, all right, who is it that actually gets to climb this holy hill? Let's figure that out. I, right. want, I want to. So listen close. Lexham English Bible, Psalm 24. The earth is Yahweh's with its fullness, the world and those who live in it. Because he has founded it on the seas and has established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of Yahweh and who may stand in his holy place? He who is innocent of hands and pure of heart, who does not lift up his soul to falseness and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from Yahweh and justice from the God of his salvation. Such is the sort of those who seek him, those who seek your face, even Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and rise up, O ancient doorways, that the King of glory may enter. Who is the King of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty, Yahweh, mighty in war. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up, O ancient doorways, that the King of glory may enter. Who is the King of glory? Yahweh of hosts. He is the King of glory. Oh, that's great. And with Alexum, you've got that emphasis there on Yahweh. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to jump into there, because instead of giving us the tetragrammaton, and so, you know, for those who are reading along and you see the word Lord in the Bible, and it's in the Old Testament especially, and it's got all four are capped, but the the first letter is a little bit larger, that is the English translator's way of letting you know that the tetragrammaton is there, which is that word that we pronounce either Yahweh or Jehovah, or depending Jehovah. on yeah, depending on which Bibles you use and how old you are, usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good point there, good point. All right. So that's some great Bible study there. So we were asking the question about uh, who may ascend yeah. the hill of the Lord, or the Lexham said the mount of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, that was kind of neat because that brings to mind these other images like— um, Isaiah chapter 2, I think about the mm-hmm. prophecy there about the mount of the Lord that's ultimately going to be his message and that gospel that goes forth from there. The uh, mountain of the Lord, yeah, the holy hill. Yeah, the holy hill. So this calls to mind, we've actually already studied and talked about, even here in Text Talk, you and I have already mm-hmm. had conversations about a psalm that is similar. Mm-hmm. Psalm 15, mm-hmm. which began, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent and who shall dwell on your holy hill? One of the things we recognized with Psalm 15 is almost all of the qualifications in that, not not completely, but almost all of them in that psalm referred to our relationship with one another. I even remember that I commented on the fact that it was shocking to me. You would expect, if we're talking about qualifications to get on God's holy hill, it would be about worshiping him and worshiping him only and not worshiping anyone else. And yet it's all about how I interact with the people who are around me. This psalm, however, I think gets us to the other side, because for the most part, these four qualifications really are about the worshiper's relationship with God. I think that's how great our God is, though, that 
his worship and our ascension to his hill should not be a hypocrisy that we're going to play some game about you know we're so interested in righteousness and God and all his ways and and we make ourselves a liar and a hypocrite by how we mistreat other people how we abuse other people well it can go the other way also though as people make their religion about nothing more than how I treat other people but they don't have any honor and relationship with God as if as if the only thing about having a relationship with God is if I'm treating other people nicely. And if I treat other people nicely, well, it doesn't matter if I serve and worship the one true God. So there's both. There's both. Absolutely. And what we have here, there's basically four qualifications that are given in this. You've got the clean hands. Mm -hmm. You've got the pure heart. You've got the idea of worshiping God only. It doesn't lift up his soul to what is false. And some people would view that as just not being a liar. But in the context of the Old Testament, the idea of going towards what is false is the idea of lifting up my soul to idols. They are false idols, and if I follow false idols, I will become false. Well, and that's what we even read in the translation the other day, the New King James. It puts the word idol there. Right. Yeah. And then number four is the idea of not swearing deceitfully, which, of course, might get us back to even what's in Psalm 15 of the honesty. However, in the context of this list, I think it probably should call to mind something like Leviticus 19 and verse 12, where it says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. I almost wonder if there's a fifth. Okay. What's the fifth? What do you got? So when you look at verse 6... There is this blessing upon that generation that seeks him, that seeks the face, and this is like Jacob. Mm. And I wonder about, um, you know, the patriarchs. I think about Galatians chapter 3 and the connection of Abraham and how the Christians are the children of faith, the actual descendants of Abraham. Because they seek him. So you, you've actually read my mind. You've gotten to where I wanted to end up on this. I'm not sure that it's... End a f- up like on Friday? Or? No, 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 today. Oh, okay. You're not All that right. far ahead. Oh, okay. Very you don't good. know me that well. <laughs> no. Well, if we're making our list. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think what we have is this final statement is really kind of a summary, even of the four that we've just mentioned. Okay. The clean hands, summary. the pure heart, the worship God only, and and don't don't swear deceitfully. Don't use God in a deceitful way. Don't don't swear falsely and profane his name. One of the things that that I recognize is that that whole idea is actually pervasive throughout Scripture. Mm. So we've got passages like in Isaiah. In Isaiah oh, 59, Isaiah kind of has the same idea. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. That's like a complete reversal of everything we just read here yeah, in this you, psalm. You guys are the exact opposite of what Psalm 24 says about the person who's actually allowed to worship the Lord. So he says, it's no surprise that God is not listening to your praying. Paul, uh, look in 1 Timothy 2.8, okay. because Paul actually makes almost the exact same point as he's talking about Christians and the worship that we should have. Are, are you at 1 Timothy 2.8? Yeah, 2, I've got that here. Yeah, so First Timothy 2, verse 8, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So what, how do we pray? 
lifting up holy hands. Right. And so certainly, of course, this passage does demonstrate that in the New Testament, in that first century, one of the very common prayer poses was with hands uplifted. But Paul's main point is not actually about that pose. His main point is these hands that you're always lifting up to God in Mm -hmm. prayer— they need to be holy, holy hands. hands. They need to be hands that are pure from wrath, mm-hmm. and argument, and doubting. He's really making the same point that Isaiah was making, which is the same point that David is making in Psalm 24. Absolutely. Who gets to worship the Lord God? The person who is coming to him with these pure, clean pure hands. hands. But the passage that I think ties, that connects to it the most, and honestly, Andrew, it really shocked me as I was preparing for these conversations. I didn't find one single commentary that actually pointed to this passage, and I don't know how we could miss it. All right. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Okay. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Wait, wait. You mean like ascending his holy hill? Drawing near? (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't go that far. It does sound similar. I mean, maybe I would. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand. By the way. Mm-hmm. I am still getting back to your point that you made earlier. I haven't forgotten it. I haven't jumped off. I'm 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 showing how your point earlier about seeking God like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is really what this is all about. So so listen to this verse in that same kind of vein and context. All right. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double you double minded. Wow. Clean hands, pure, pure hearts. That's what we just read in this psalm. I think I think the reason uh, most of the commentators and people don't actually make the connection is because I get it. In the Greek language, there are some different words here than are mm-hmm. used in the Septuagint of Psalm 24, which in the Septuagint would be actually Psalm 23. But it doesn't have to be the same words. It's the same concept. It's that idea of clean hands and pure heart, innocent hands and, and purified heart. This is the one that can worship. Well, in James, what we find out is this person with clean hands and pure hearts, this is the person who is drawing near to the Lord. Or the person who is, well, you've got the connection to sending the Holy Hill, but you've also got the person who is seeking God. He is drawing near to God. In fact, in the context of James 4, let's just back up to verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Mm. Now we go back to Psalm 24, and we read this these qualifications. And so sure. let's just read it again now, having read James 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. I mean, to me, it sounds like James is making this exact same point. Yeah, I guess the word for that would be allusion. He is alluding to Psalm 24 and really expounding upon it and explaining it for us. Because what this demonstrates is that this person who is ascending the holy hill is not the perfectly sinless person who has gotten it right every single time. What were you going to say? You're not. I, I was going to say that. I was going to say this is such good news because if we just read Psalm 24, we might say, okay, it is the innocent, 
I'm not innocent. Mm-hmm. But what does James teach us? It is the cleansed. It is the cleansed. And in fact, the forgiven. even in Psalm 24, there is that hint and that statement, because notice in verse 5, the person who's described in verse 4 will receive blessing from the Lord. And the ESV, what is that blessing? Righteousness from the God of his salvation. Righteousness. In other words, from God. His righteousness is from God. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, Paul talks about we receive the righteousness that is by faith in yeah. Jesus Christ. We receive that righteousness. We don't earn it, we don't accomplish it ourselves. Right. It is the gift of God. However, it's not, I am blindly, willy nilly going on doing whatever it is that I want and God zaps me with righteousness. It is, I am drawing near to God and God draws near to me. That's what James makes so clear. It's so powerful. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Okay. Which still honors God. Call back from what we've talked about the last couple of conversations that we're not making him some other kind of idol that we're going to handle, but we're going to recognize his rightful place and go to him. And that is only possible by his grace and mercy that he would draw near to us. That he would draw near to us. So now this whole thing in Psalm 24 about the God of Jacob seeking mm-hmm. him like, why, why would the phrase God of Jacob be used again? We, we've mentioned before that when we see this God of Jacob, and, and there's some translational issues here, and, and, and I, I have to give my nod to that, but there, there's this, in fact, it's, kind of questionable exactly what the wording is here. And so in a lot of different translations, you'll find some different phrases as they try to supply some words to make the sense of it. Why is Jacob even brought up here? I'll tell you why. Because he is an example of seeking God. Do you remember mm-hmm. when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and said, give me the blessing? What is, what is Psalm 24 just talked about? It's talked about the people who will receive blessing from the Lord. Jacob hung on to that angel no matter what it cost him, no matter how it hurt him, because he wanted the blessing. Basically what Psalm 24 is saying, as shocking as it is, you might believe just not anyone could climb up this hill, but anyone can. Mm-hmm. If you want to seek him. Anyone can who wants God more than they want anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. And that's what Jacob was at that point. And for all his mistakes and for all his struggles and foibles and flaws and sins, Jacob was at that point of, I want God's blessing, and I want it more than I want anything else. And that's what we're pushing towards. And that's the person who draws near to God, and God will draw near to him. He is the God who will be found. Mm-hmm. We need to be looking for him on his terms. Mm-hmm. Amen. What a great conversation on Psalm 24. We're so glad that you joined us. We'd love to know what you're learning as you're reading the Bible. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your revelation of yourself and your word. In this particular psalm, how we are taught, Lord, that you are high, you are holy. We want to seek you. We want to know you. And it's only possible, Father, if we would be cleansed by your grace and mercy through your gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help us to ascend that hill and be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.